Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Cartel Aristocrats. Uh, this week, Jeremy is uh, being the top one percenter that we all know he is, and uh, using his MTG Finance millions to go on vacation, so he won't be here. In his stead, I bring you two uh, recurring guests on the cast. And, I'm a host uh, here. This is this is my domain. No, you're a guest. Sure you're you a guest quit. everywhere. Yeah, you're you're a guest. You quit. That's how it works, man. You're a guest on your own podcast, and you're also a guest on your old podcast. Uh, and, but I'm still joined, as always, by Ed because he is uh, as faithful as ever and uh, didn't oversleep. So that was great. Uh, so, gentlemen, would you like to introduce yourselves to anyone who's unfamiliar? Yeah, sure. I am Douglas Johnson. Uh, I am a buyer at 95MTG. I run a TCG player store and a Twitter store, I guess you could call it. Uh, I um, buy and sell a decent amount of Magic cards, and I, I, uh, I get angry at people on Twitter sometimes. That's probably my other brand. I don't block them. I just, I just argue with them. Oh, all right. Yeah, I, I just mute people. It makes it a lot easier on my life. Uh, and our other guest is the esteemed uh, EDH finance personality, Jason Alt. Hey, hey, everybody. Well, you, you forgot to mention the, the third guest, the Avacyn behind you. Jason's guardian angel. I have a giant cardboard Avacyn. I tried yeah. to get my wife to name our daughter Avacyn, but she didn't go for it. Uh, Liliana is like pretty close, though. I mean, it's a real name, though. Like, yeah. if I go to Disney, there will be a license plate that says Liliana on it. <laughs> there might There's... be like a Lily one. I don't know if there'll be a Liliana one. I'll have to check next time I go. Which yeah, is you're... what, like two days? You you aren't you like oh is it Disney? No man, I go on vac like I go on like a Disney hiatus. I like quit Disney between like March and October because it's too hot. I see. Like it rains all the time and it's really hot all the rest of the time. So like I never want to be outside. It's gross. Don't go outside in Florida. Don't live in Florida. It's like right? ninety here and it's un unbearable because our air conditioner is broken too. So it's just, I am. <laughs> if your condition is broken in Florida, you might as well start digging DJ, your grave. Don't represent our brand by coming on a podcast and saying poor guy stuff like that. You'd be like, yeah, I paid, I paid ten thousand dollars for a new air conditioner, and they're taking forever to install it because it's gold plated. Say <laughs> something like that. Don't be like, I'm poor with no air conditioning. Please buy my cards. You got to represent our brand better. We're all loaded. <laughs> as the cardboard and behind you uh, represents. Yeah, yeah, I got, That's I like got a money for level. non card cardboard. Look at that. I got frivolous buying giant cardboard angel money. I have something that's coming true. in the mail that's really sweet uh, next week that I, I can't wait to share. But you uh, are waiting to share because I don't know what it is either. Yep. Is, it, is it an air conditioner? Because <laughs> it's probably not better than an air conditioner. <laughs> You're not wrong. For those of you who don't know, Douglas and I are. Uh, host and guest respectively on uh, the brainstorm brewery podcast, which has been going for 350 episodes or so. It's been a long time. Uh, we're proud of that. DJ is a, uh, he owns his own store called card garden and I am a writer at cool stuff, Inc and uh, MTG price. And I am the content manager at edhrec.com. So I'm very busy and my EDH affiliation is the reason I was brought onto this podcast today. I'm assuming. So if you're not familiar with all that stuff, go. It's all free. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of content out there waiting to be consumed by your hungry waiting minds. Well, yeah, I definitely wanted to bring you on today, Jason, to talk about uh, a recent development, we'll say, in the Commander community. Uh, oh, you mean them announcing everybody's going to go to Vegas? Uh, a, I mean, there's, there's also that, like... It's quite shout a out to shout out to whoever goes to Vegas and brings me back a soul ring. Uh, I don't know who you are yet, but I hope that you exist because I'm not going and I want a soul ring. But uh, no, I was talking more about the the fact that there were bannings in Commander for the for, and I'm banning for the first time in a long time. No, this is not poor people stuff, Ed. You can't like sub like tweet like talk about me in the chat and say like. Oh, Jim, this is poor people stuff. No, I just don't have time. I'm too busy going and doing other things. <laughs> I just, I just didn't have time to go to Vegas. Okay, it's not because I can't afford it. It's because I don't have time. You can't buy time. You can only can't, buy. I, that's I not true. Have... Rich people can buy time. Like, yeah, they can you just spend make poor like ten grand that time consuming stuff for them. Yeah, when you spend like ten grand on a plane ticket to like bring your daughter home from college one day earlier or whatever, like that's that's you buy time in life. Like you can. You yeah. can afford to cut in line. So I'm not going to Vegas this year, but Douglas and I will be at Grand Prix Indianapolis where we're having a special brainstorm brewery theme party. If you're at the GP, you should definitely come out to that. It's going to be catered and it's going to be fantastic. It will be, free to, it will be free to attend. It will, you will get free drinks. You will get, uh, there'll be food. There'll be a lot of good stuff going on. There'll be, if you were at the Vegas party for the command zone, it'll be like that, except without the famous people. Yeah, because uh, like I think DJ not, will be the most famous person there. That's really unfortunate. You should get like better people to attend your parties, or well, just not have them. Just it be is so in Indianapolis. You don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we. I suppose a, a better podcast like this one would just not have parties. Yeah, because like why why would we have them? They were just too exclusive, right? Is that how that works? I think so. You tried to book venues, but they didn't take cool stuff ink credit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really unfortunate. Speaking uh, of cool stuff ink, read my article every Thursday. Man, are you just gonna come here and plug yourself for the for, for the next half an hour, or are we gonna actually talk about shit? Ask me a question. You're making me feel an uncomfortable silence by being myself and the. Okay, I'm sorry. Happen. What I was what I was trying to ask was. How do you feel about the EDH bannings? Do you think that this is like for for a very long time, not a lot of things happened, especially not is a lot this, of things. Is this the commander action group or whatever advisory group, the CAG? Are they just justifying their existence by like, we did a thing. Now we got to do a thing. Cause I think I, I the, the philosophy document is about as telling as the bands and unbands. If you really think about it. Um, I think paradox engine was on the bubble and Urza pushed it over the edge. And I think, well, if they're going to ban a card, we should unban something. Painter Servant seems safe, but Painter Servant plus Iona seems less safe. I don't think Painter Servant plus Iona is unsafe because there are already combos that exist that, in the format that cost... No, I know you know because we just had this conversation last night, but uh, like, not everyone else uh, considers that like Teferi Knowledge Pool is legal, and Teferi is... A, quote quote miserable card to play against for certain archetypes just like iona is and that's like a two card 11 mana combo that says okay i win eventually all of you sit here and watch uh like card mike and lattice is a two card combo that's 10 mana and just like makes everyone not be able to tap cards anymore so like that's those exist in the format 
utilizing cards that, like, Micah's and Gladys, nobody's doing anything fair with that, right? Like, that card, when you play it in, like, Shroom, it's like, you, you're playing that plus Vandal Blast with, like, Duretti or something like that. It's just, like, nobody does anything with fair with that card anyway, and I feel like the same is true with Iona, and I think Iona should be legal with Painter Servant. I think that's fine. But... Yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's it's more about perception than it is actual gameplay. I think uh, they just wanted to minimize the amount of bitching, and I think as soon as they unbanned Painter Servant, people would be like, well, you can't because I Iona. And I think Iona was annoying enough to play against on its own that just removing that from the bitch cycle was a good move. Um, people are going to complain and say Iona was fine, but like, look at the people who are really going to bat hard for Iona. Those are people you don't want to play against anyway, so I think that's fine. Like, if fair. you're really devastated that you can't Iona people, like, I don't want you in my pod. That's that's a fair point. I, I've never been a fan of playing cards like that. Like, I don't play it in my Archangel Avacyn deck. I'd rather just, like, put all the Cauldra pieces on, like, something and just hit people. But I, I, I mean, your know. signature deck is Gaunting. Before that, it was Child of Alara Lands. Like, you're yes. clearly playing EDH the way Richard Garfield intended, which is it to be a personalized goofy as balls deck uh bdm had a really good twitter thread today about what edh wouldn't potentially mean to richard garfield and what it means to him and to him it's his stupid spider spawning deck that i just love you know yeah moldrotha has come along yarak has come along he's like nope this is a, a sadisi brew tyrant deck with old cards that i played back in the day you know plus stuff i really like doing interstride block and that's what edh is about to the commander advisory group and to the rc Yes. If you don't like that, you can play EDH any way you want. But the way the base format is to be the same across every store without house rules, you should sit down and play a fun, interactive sort of kind of EDH. And if you and your group decide not to do that, that is fine. But you should go into a, an unknown situation with the expectation that everyone is at least playing with On that the same page. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good base. And if you want to make your own house rules and play it in your own group, that's fine because you're not going to surprise anybody because everybody at the table knows that's the deal. You build your play group. That's why I say if if people aren't aware, I uh, concocted a crazy EDH philosophy called 75% deck building because they were going to fire me at Cool Stuff Inc. Uh, like five years ago. And I was like, I'll write a different series. And they're like, okay. And then uh, Stibbs was asking me about EDH. And so I came up with a kind of deck building where it's designed to go into an unknown situation with people you've never played before. And if it's a bunch of casuals, you're not going to pub stomp them. And if it's people that are, you know, playing competitively, not competitive EDH, that's a different format, but like competitively for regular EDH, you should, you should still have a chance and you're not going to get completely smoked. Um, so that's kind of the way I approach EDH. But I say, if you're in a play group, with people you know, you don't need to play 75% because you just tune your playgroup. So people are still going to do what they want, but I think that the Commander Advisory Group and the RC working together on this document that's like, this is the philosophy of EDH as it's intended, and if you want to play different, fine, but this is the way it was designed. And uh, I think that probably tells us more about their philosophy than arbitrary bans and unbans. Yeah, I just, I for me finance perspective it's it's interesting to see them go for cards that are not newly released so generally speaking most of the cards that have gotten banned in the recent years have been cards that are uh pretty new in the grand but, right like stuff that immediately impacts the format and people 
cry havoc about. Like, Sylvan Primordial is probably the most egregious one where it was like, this is legal, now it's not. And then Prophet of Crufix, this is, oh, no, no, no. Well, I'm talking about, like, Leovold most recently. That too. Yeah. I mean, that too, yeah. But it goes as far but, back as Sylvan Primordial, too. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, recently, the changes to the ban list have been at cards that have been recently printed or cards that have uh, changed, like, because of cards that have been, re been re recently printed. It's odd to me that they would go and say Paradox Engine and Iona are all of a sudden not good enough, any like, are too good in now, or not necessarily too good, but, like, are unacceptable to play with. But it, it's just, like, this isn't a format where you need to shake things up, right? Like, it's not like modern where, like, they can ban and unban things or wait till strategic times to do that because of, like, Pro Tours or mythic championships or grand prix or whatever uh there's not a lot of incentive for them to change the list unless there are new cards that influence people's decisions on this so like the fact that they've banned two cards and unbanned another card for with with seemingly no prompt kind of leads me to believe like is there a possibility in the future that like cards on the ban list could get unbanned uh other than painter servant like are there cards that are maybe have you know lived on the edge of like this is a, an acceptable thing to play with and maybe banned in the future um what what are your thoughts on that and how would you approach that because i was like there's a bunch of like nonsense on this list like why is biorhythm still banned like well, he, yeah that's that still... the thing so people complained that the uh the 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 rc the rules committee was too insular because a lot of those guys are from the same store they like started the format and like they're like it's our format and people are like, I think Wizards should take over their ban list. No, but that's what people are saying. And they think it's too insular. The fact that the um, the commander advisory group formed and as a consensus, they were all like, I think Painter Servant will be fine. I think they're not going to unban stuff just to unban it. But also if the commander advisory group's like, yeah, great. Coalition victory wrecked your LGS or whatever. But come on, it's stupid to have this banned. I think they've shown a willingness to be like, look, we're going to look into it. And if there's no way to like break this and ruin EDH, we'll try and banning some stuff. I think that's fine because Biorhythm doesn't really need to be on the ban list. I don't think, I don't think Coalition Victory needs to be on the ban list. Um, you know, there's, there's cards you can look at taking off. So gifts I'm not going to go crazy and be like, gifts ungiven isn't. Yeah. Legal. Yeah. That's silly. You know, uh, I'm not going to go crazy and be like, scrap the whole thing, bring back Shahrazad. But I, I think for the most part, there's some stuff on there that I think that the rules committee is like, well, back in 2009, we thought Coalition Victory was unfun, you know, back I, when I nobody had any removal. I can't wait until Sway of the Stars becomes a $10 card. And, and like, it's not going to be good, but like, but get them. Right? Yeah. Would it kill you to have a binder that's got 20 copies of every dollar rare that's on the EDH ban list that shouldn't be? Because, no. like, the stuff could potentially come off if it's not a big deal. And then you so sell it to people to who at. are panicking and pressing buy, 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 like, go, 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 like, so sway the stars. Exa exactly what happened to Painter Servant, right? Like, Yeah, but you're not going to get your Painter Servant when you buy it the day it's unbanned. Your order's getting canceled. You're not going to get your just, Or you're hitting refresh and the copies are disappearing before you can check out. So, like, you, you want to be the person ahead of the curve. And, like, stuff like Sylvan Primordial, Sway of the Stars, and, like, fair cards. Not, like, not like Emrakul and Gristlebrand level stuff, but, like, fair magic cards that just do things well are the kinds of things you want to be looking at at, like, a dollar. It's, like, the reason, I, it's the reason I want to own, like, 35 Mind Twists for Legacy one day, like... 
that there's there's no way that card goes another X years without getting unbanned or tested at least. That's why I have a shitload of demonic pacts. Is that the the magic origins? No, um, what is no? It's not demonic pact. The uh, the, the one mana card from Alpha. Demonic yeah. consultation. No, that's that's Ice Age. I don't know the names of magic cards. Demonic you, attorney. No, that one uses anti. That one's never getting unbanned. I think. No, I think Demonic Consultation is the card you're talking about. Now, Demonic Consultation is one from Ice Age where you reveal cards from the top until you hit the card you named. I thought that was discard or no contract from below. Is that it? Uh, yeah, maybe contract that's from it. below is one. That, that's also anti, but it's like discard your hand, draw eight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was just like a you get those in collections all the time because they're junk, and I just like have been setting them aside and big of a big pile. Because I'm like, if nothing happens, nothing happens. But if this gets unbanned, these are two hundred bucks, and I'll left. I always thought that was like one of the most aggressive uh, ed moves I could make would be to like have an alpha contract from below in my Gonti deck and anti cards in that deck. <laughs> like turn Nobody like turn three them. or four, like contract from below, flip over an alpha soul ring, like let's go, this is competitive now. No, they get an alpha swamp and you end up with like their foiled commander or something. <laughs> you can have my scratched alpha swamp. I mean those are still like twenty bucks though. That's yeah, that's true. So yours are white bordered, not because they're not alpha, but because they're scratched up. So with this in mind, like it's easy to say, like oh, you know, you can look at the EDH ban list. You can say like, you know, uh, bio rhythm and coalition victory and trade secrets. Gifts, gifts on given. No, I don't think they'll unban trade secrets. I think because trade they, secrets. The reason they ban trade secrets is because people were going to pods at like tournaments, and like the two of them were like, oh. My partner draws, I draw. My partner draws, I draw. Then they just beat right, the table. But like, based on the philosophy document, you might wonder if, like... But, but some... the, the functional... You can say philosophy all you want, but, like, the physical way that EDH is actually being performed in the wild, if it gets back to them that people are abusing a card like that, you know, it's to just, game yeah. tickets and, like, ruin the EDH experience for two guys who don't know each other, they sit down in a pod of... You yeah, know, two people that do know each other and they just run the table like that. Yeah, you know, they, I'm also sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, sure, philosophically, a card like Trade Secrets doesn't mean that much. But, you know, they also have a responsibility to keep their finger on the pulse of what people are actually doing with magic cards in that format and, uh, and respond to it. So I think that was they sort of had their hands tied there. So with, with that in mind, like, is it? Is it unreasonable to say that like recurring nightmare is probably the highest value card that you could that could possibly be unbanned because it's on the reserve list? I don't think that card has a realistic possibility of being unbanned, but that's just me. Yeah, I I, I don't really know, but partially like, because like partially because it's on the reserve list, right? But like, everything the, everything that happened this week is because another thing precipitated it. Yeah. Paradox Engine was banned because it was a mainstay in the Urza decks, and you know Urza decks were just showing up at LGSs and wrecking people. Um, the Commander Advisory Group joined the RC in their decision making, and all of a sudden they say Painter Servant's safe, and I think that precipitated the banning of uh, Iona. Everything—it's like a cause and effect thing. So uh, right. I, I think everything that happened had something that precipitated it. So I don't think any of this was arbitrary per se. So I, I think. The, the fact that the commander advisory group now has a say, uh, I, I think if they have a different philosophy than the rules committee on stuff that might have been too powerful at that LGS, 
I think we could see some more moves. So I do think we'll see some more unbannings. Do you think and I don't we'll think any of it's arbitrary? What's that, Jim? So do you think there will also be more bannings? Because like I know that the card that a lot of people like in the the internet community of Magic really despise. I, you know, yeah. let me finish my sentence before you fucking take the card out. But, but that's to... a good point because he knew what card you were talking about before you finished your sentence. Not because right. he's being a dick, but because everybody, that card is such a yep. pain in everyone's ass that everyone knows what you're talking about. Right. And like, I personally don't think that that's that big of a deal. And honestly, I don't think that it's really worth banning, but that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things it's like you know what is what is the possibility that this is the card that could get banned and then as a result like drop drastically in price like they're not cheap right now right like they're they're like 15 dollars that's violence dude they're like 20 something that's insane like you know this is a card card that that has had multiple recent reprintings right and and that's like part of my my thought process here is like if you have extra ones does this ban and unban that's like seemingly is un, like not unprompted, but like it looks like they're giving a, a bigger, uh, they're, they're being more liberal with the bannings and unbannings than they had been previously. I, I think it's because there's an interjection of new perspectives. When Sheldon and the rest of the, uh, the crew go to their LGS and they play the, the games of EDH with those people there and everything's fine because everybody knows each other. And it's like, well, this is the way we've been playing for five years. You know, yep. Cyclonic, we philosophically don't like the card Cyclonic Rift, so we don't play it, and therefore we don't get blown out by it because no one would ever play that against us, and therefore we don't know how it feels. I think that with the addiction of new perspectives, where you got five people at one LGS versus 10 people at six LGSs, all of a sudden you start to get more perspectives. And the the commander advisory group was they pulled in free p- people from the community. It's possible they'll pull mul- more people in from they, the community. They also- they also and, pulled people who uh, who will play in a larger pool than just those six LGSs, right? I mean, like, yeah. Josh and Stibbs go to events. Rachel goes to it. Like, these are people who will travel to your local GP or your whatever event you're and at. And they're getting out there being ambassadors unknown, for the yeah, format. And, yeah. and people are coming up to them like, dude, when are you going to ban Cyclonic Rift? Like, they're all of a sudden out there interacting with people. And as much as like Sheldon interacts with people on Facebook and Twitter, it's always negative, and I don't know why he does it to himself. So the fact that you have people that are out there being ambassadors for the game and getting more perspectives, if they start to get a ton of data that says the format would be better off without Cyclonic Rift, I could see it happening. I'm not saying whether or not it will. I'm just saying that before, you didn't have a commander advisory group, and it was not going to happen. Yep. And now you do, and it is less unlikely. So Ed, from what you're hearing here, how do you how would you approach commander cards going forward? Are you are there cards that you're looking to liquidate? Are there masterpieces that you don't really want to own anymore? Like how how do you feel about this banning and unbanning other than the fact that you like got simultaneously destroyed by Paradox Engine and got uh, blessed by Painter Servant, which I assume you had both of them. Uh, and grindstone as well. So oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot that's also an invention. Yeah, you probably made out well since like two cards got better and one card got worse. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So yeah, yeah. I like I only heard like I was only listening to half of what you guys were saying, but I think um, I the, I I try to pack orders here, and I. Well, I, I'm I, sorry we interrupted your order packing with your podcast. No, no, no not, not all, not all. Um. <laughs> 
I, I think my thoughts on EDH are um, it kind of sucks that Paradox Engine had to go. I think the few times I have seen it played, uh, I think it's been overdue. Honestly, I think it should have gone much sooner than it did. Um, and it probably wouldn't have spiked to the levels it had if it had been banned a year ago or something. Um, it was no secret that the card was pretty busted. Um, again, what I think... One of my what? crowning achievements with my Gonti deck is convincing a couple people to take Paradox Engines out of their decks because they didn't know how it felt until I Gontied them and then went off with their infinite combo and then stole their entire deck with Gonti by looping Nozumi Grave Robber and stealing every card of their deck and then using the card that I stole from Gonti to cast to untap everything. So then they were like, wow, that's miserable. And yeah, they took it out of their deck. So I, Thank you for bringing misery to everyone, Doug. <laughs> This is why you're not. That's why you're a guest on our podcast and the host. They were Paradox Engine players. They deserved it. I think it is important to note, uh, in, in to kind of follow up on you guys, what you guys were saying about um, about stuff coming off the unbanned list. I think a lot of those cards have been on there for a very good reason, and most people probably weren't around to play when those cards were available. If they were available, this is very very similar to the modern ban list. You have a lot of people saying like, oh, Unbanned Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I'm going to say a lot of people who are saying Unbanned Stoneforge Mystic in Modern probably didn't play when Stoneforge Mystic and Jace were the best cards in Modern, um, or the, the best cards in Standard at the time that they were legal. Uh, granted, things have changed. Yes, EDH has come a long way. But, um, right, like, Bile Rhythm is probably one of those cards that, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussion, but I don't think Bile Rhythm should ever come off. Um I've definitely seen some weird games with house rules where those are, where people can play banned cards. Uh, Sway of the Stars, probably not something that should be encouraged. Granted, it's low opportunity costs. I don't fault anyone for wanting to buy 15 or 20 of them and then just hold them for the day that it does come off because it's on the reserve list, uh, which is one of the reservations about bringing cards like uh, Recurring Nightmare off. Um, and it's it, But it's one of those cards that um, if you're able to catch on at some point in the future, great. It has... Two printings, I think. I think it's a core set, like Pantheon or something. Uh, Sway of the Stars. Oh, Sway of the Stars is just Betrayers, I think. I don't think they've ever felt the need to inject more copies of that card into the world. <laughs> I think that was a one of Betrayers shot. I could be wrong. I could I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that was just a... I thought maybe it was a core set, but maybe it's not. Um, But regardless, like it's a relatively low opportunity cost. I think if, if you're wanting to just... It has one printing confirmed. Okay. Because uh, it would have been in ninth or tenth. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, if you're wanting to throw a bunch of copies away in a in a box somewhere and hope you get lucky one day, like more power to you. I just don't see the that these cards are the type of magic necessarily that the EDH committee wants to encourage. Um, I think, but I, I think they will be revisited, is what we're saying, because they sort of decided, and then they're like, "This is decided." Yeah, that's the fair. the rules committee was like a this. They were very public in saying like that's not happening, um, and now we have new voices to tell them what thousands of other people are saying. And if thousands of other people disagree with this small insular community, then they kind of are pushed into making a different decision. Because like Cyclonic Roof was publicly just like Sheldon was like, no, it's not getting banned. Suck it. He's he's not ambiguous like Mark Rosewater or Gavin when they have to talk about something. He's like, nope. It's the way it is, but now it's that's that's not a hard no anymore. Which I think is ultimately good for the format, if only because it removes a little bit of an avenue for people to attack it, which is being like, well, 
wizards should take over the ban list and i i don't i don't want wizards involved at all so i think this having more more voices in an advisory role is the perfect way to go between two extremes which is one insular community of a couple of people who've been playing this format forever and played a very specific way with each other versus having wizards do it which i think is also a mistake i think it's a nice compromise between those two extremes which are both not ideal i agree with that and one thing that i don't think anybody i've heard anybody talk about either is um we we can sometimes look at this game through just like a real life perspective in terms of like the roles that people take on because like the rules committee it's for lack of a better term it is a job and like sheldon and the rules committee they've been players for 20 something years and they're not going to always have that job. I mean, I don't think Sheldon's going to be like in his 80s eventually, just still being on the rules committee. Like these are players and uh, committee members who will eventually pass on their role to somebody else to take their place. And I think the advisory committee provides a stepping stone to that sort of role. Like I could see X years down the road, uh, Josh or uh, um, Rachel or Stibbs like taking on that sort of role eventually and like there's Sheldon and everyone else aren't going to be around forever to do that. So it provides like a nice, uh, a su like I think we all know that and believe in magic for the, the long term, like 10, 15 years down the road. And this provides like the stepping stones for that uh, in the future. I can't imagine magic still being around in 15 years, but I also can't imagine it not. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, it's, I mean, it's a crazy year one, man, like we're, I mean, like, was it like, how old am I? 17 years ago when I was playing in high school, I did not think I'd be playing today, but, you know. I started in 96. An Ice Age. Right. Weird flex, but okay. Well, uh, what I'm saying is like. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I've been like, trying to work that into my like daily routine, and you just gave me the perfect opportunity. So I had to oh, so you're, you're saying that a lot? Cool. Weird no, flex, but I'm okay. not. <laughs> I'm not. That's the. Problem. It's a weird flex that you say weird flex a lot. That's. A... Yeah, but I I couldn't have imagined being in my 30s still playing when I was 12 playing Magic. It's crazy. I agree. So yeah, so, I think they're gonna do what's good long term for the format because this isn't just a thing they do in their shop anymore. Like apparently anybody can invent a format and everyone is obliged to take it seriously for at least two weeks. <laughs> Oh, you mean like uh, Oathbreaker? I mean like Joust, whatever Joust, Joust is. Yeah, I heard about exactly. that. So, <laughs> wait, wait, I thought that was just a joke. Was it? It's really hard to tell. When you told me that a guy named Bramwell Tackaberry invented a format where everything cost three mana or less, I thought it was a joke. It was. So, it, it was. It turns out it was. So, but not before I made a ton of money on Sunforger. So, yeah, Canadian. Canadian Highlander leaders. Tiny, Canadian Oath. Tiny Joust Breakers. Yeah. <laughs> the new frontier. So, uh, last thing about Commander. Uh, Commander 2019 comes out August 23rd. I have a hot take that I don't know if it's a hot take, but it's something I brought up uh, last night on BSB. And my. Uh, my shoot the moon called shot for predictions uh, on themes for this year's decks is uh, I think that they could do planes. So we could have like an Innistrad deck, a Kamigawa deck, like uh, a oh, not like, a, 
not like a Boeing 747 or 777 or an Airbus A420 or whatever they're called. Not none of the not those planes. You're naming some very specific planes to be like whatever. Oh uh, well, I mean those he are works like, for Lockheed Martin. I work for Lockheed, but those are also commercial air jets that like you should just know. <laughs> How many jets oh. should I know, Jim? <laughs> Well, when you're just making MTG finance millions, you need for to make you sure specifically, that you're Jason, the best. like like the best, like the best percent of the plane. movies you've seen in the last four months. Eight percent of the movies you've seen in the last four months. That's how many like, jets I, I you know, know. I know what my private jet is, but I don't know <laughs> <laughs> what big jets where poor people are ride around with other poor people. I don't know what those kind of jets are called. Oh, okay. Well, sometimes <laughs> like you have to like you have to fly economy, not to like you know embarrass your uh, your friend or whatever. So you got to know, you got to know the best of those, you know, poor people planes also. <laughs> Good to but, know. Uh, this is where, this is the, this is the one part of the podcast. Jeremy can provide reasonable discussion and he's not here. See, I you know, thought right? I would try to turn this show into brainstorm brewery, but I'm turning it into money draft. Uh, when is that coming back? Are you going to make another episode? If you next? ask, it adds another year. Uh, it's never, it's never coming back. Why is Slick dead? Uh, no, Slick's alive for the very first time. Oh my god. Wait, is he sober? Yeah. Maybe this is a conversation for a different podcast <laughs> or a different time. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Money Draft should come back. Let me know when it does. But it probably never will, so that's fine too. Commander 2019 comes out Obviously, yeah, outside of Jim Shoe Fun, what does everyone think of my plane idea? Like, I that's it's fine, it's probably going to be a thing if not this year, then next year. I mean, and also, there's... why isn't it closer to Christmas? I, I get mad every year that comes out in like August. Well, I think that's just like the place that they're going to do it for now and until forever. Like, it's, it's, been, such it's a, been in the summer for a long time. It right? was such a good thing to get for Christmas for my relatives who don't know what to get me. Cause like it's, it's it's the perfect amount of money that they want to spend on me. Cause they're not going to want to spend more than like 35, 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to buy them myself. Cause I could just wait a couple weeks and get them and now. Yeah. But didn't you, didn't you buy like cases and cases of them with your MTG finance millions? Like why would you want, why would you want them to give you I'm, that gift? I'm not going to bust them open if I bought them with my own money. They oh, sit okay. on my shelf back there. Oh, you can't <laughs> see my giant cardboard. Avicen is blocking it. That's unfortunate. Brought to yeah, you by I, Odyssey I Games LLC. A, I also have a uh, closet full of uh, Commander decks I haven't opened yet, mostly because uh, I only buy them in sets of four or five, and I only open like the one or two that I actually intend on playing, and then like I leave them for I don't know like a year or two, and then I, then Doug's like, "Yo, dude, do you know how much the red white Commander deck is worth because of that like three cards that are worth like fifteen dollars each?" And then I'm really happy. Yep, that's the thing that happens all the time. It's usually the worst deck too. Oh, it's one hundred percent always the worst deck. Like the fiery confluence and the blade of selves were the like only two, and the Erz's incubator were like the only three cards that were good in that deck. But the rest well, of the right deck away, was and then awful. like uh, the, yeah, the um, Megas of the Wheel suddenly took off, and there was a lot of cards in that deck that made me money. Trust me. Yeah. So, uh, spoilers should be. I don't know, and like God, any minute. Ugh. It's well, always spoiler no. season now. I don't like it. It it as someone who has to pay attention and have people write set reviews and like, are we getting a spoiler? Are we not? 
it's it's kind of stress it's more stressful during spoiler season than during not spoiler season and it's turning into always spoiler season which is like you're cursed by getting what you always wanted sort of a deal you know be like the kid like the theoretical kid who can always eat candy whenever he wants until they're sick of it yeah so i'm i'm starting to get too much candy with it always being spoiler season right it's, well it's too much I'm I'm sure everyone is really excited for that and hoping that uh, they continue to bring back the legendary creatures that we've only seen over text. Yeah, uh, I, I love when they uh, bring back creatures that... Uh, every time Gavin makes a poll on Twitter, he's like, what do you guys want? And, whew, love it. It's going to yeah. be good, because right after... Like, when they were still working on Commander 2019, when Commander 2018 came out and everybody crapped on it, like Gavin was reading every Reddit post about it, so like he absolutely. So we're going to get good reprints this time. Yeah, of, like, I think he, I think he knows time. that they can push the envelope, especially with the shift to forty. And I, I can't guarantee that they knew when they were making those decks that they were going to be uh, at, uh, shifted in, in price. That could have been like, oh yeah, by the, like, oh yeah, by the way, MSRP on these went up by five bucks, and they went, oh. Their yeah. lists are finalized. That could have happened, but now we know for sure they know they're making forty dollars decks, and they know that this will just rebound. You know, so uh, I think they know those things now because we've said them and they've listened. So Commander twenty nineteen is going to be gas, and I can't wait. They're going to be if all the decks aren't very good, there is at least going to be reprint equity in them. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said there. Uh, Ed, how do you feel about the Commander decks? What are what are your favorite things and least favorite things about them coming out every year? I could totally get used to this other people talking thing. This must be how you guys feel all the time. Um, it's it's definitely going to be something that is worth looking forward to. Um, Commander decks always do well. Uh, Seal decks do well. The singles do well. Um, for a short period of time, it... it it's gotten worse and worse every year, but there was a period in time when you could basically just bust open all the commander tech decks and just sell the singles out of it for usually more than the cost of the deck itself, especially if you could get them at distributor costs. Um, I I do think that with, uh, like you guys had mentioned, with the sets being more expensive now, uh, pre-ordering them early is probably good. I think once people realize that if one or two good... Um, reprints sneak through somehow like it wouldn't surprise me if we saw uh what's a good card to reprint idyllic uh, tutor what card oracle moldaya why is it taking so long braid um, of fire oh no not that one no, no, study. nobody wants braid of fire i want uh, braid of fire i don't know how to use it Every time I write an article and I mention Braid of Fire, every comment is like, that's not how that works. You get the mana during your upkeep, you stupid idiot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. So since I don't know how that card works, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> so all these cards are just great opportunities for them to bring something back. Uh, it's unlikely that they'll bring one back across every deck. It's more likely that we'll see a just kind of a smattering of smaller level reprints. Um, but these are e easily enough that if you if you bought a full set of five or four, whatever right now that you could easily flip the card slash decks that you don't want, especially because if trend, if the trend continues, there's always going to be one deck that's just miles better than the rest. Um, and that's the one that people always want. That's the one that always sells out. Um, and you can easily cash in on that and just free roll the rest. If that's your jam. 
what is interesting to me though is that they've been keeping a lot of stuff under wraps. Uh, the false has only it's a little more than two months away right now. We don't even know the name of it. We don't know anything about it. Um, we don't know what any releases look like. We don't know what uh, what the uh, fall supplementary set is. Usually the one that comes out in November. We had like iconic, unstable, uh, unstable these past Ultimate years. Masters. Ult- uh, Ultimate Masters was Ultimate Masters was like December of last year. It was December of last year. That's right, man. Time flies. Um, these are all things that like we just don't know about, which is really interesting to me. Which makes me think, um, which makes Magic's me kind of dead. They don't have any plans. It's just canceled. No, actually, they. I believe that they said that they're going to announce the next set at PAX West, which is August thirtieth. Which should be just like it's the week after these uh, commander decks come out. That's kind of crazy because that's only like three weeks before pre-release or something. So, but they must be planning something new just as a way to build a lot of hype or something. I can only imagine that's how they do it. Um, I just think these things are interesting to me. Um, obviously, command, uh, not commander, Magic Twenty Twenty is kind of what's on the forefront of people's mind. I think a lot of the cards in uh, Core Twenty Twenty are Hornets underpriced. I think there's a lot of EDH gold in there. Um, I'm sure Jason can speak more to this than I can, but I do think there's a lot of cards that are Hornets underpriced right now that would be very, very good buys in probably six to eight months. And then past that, we'll be looking at whatever Commander 19 uh, has to offer in, what, six weeks or something? Probably spoilers in three weeks. Yeah, something like that's crazy. Yeah, it's the uh, the problem of always being uh, always being in the spoiler season. Well, before I forget, since uh, we're coming up close to the end of this podcast, uh, our podcast is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com. And if you leave a question on the CoolStuffInc.com page when our podcast goes up, you can win $25 of CoolStuffInc.com store credit. So our winner this week is Dominic Monfrey. I don't know how to use Everyone's last name is always awful. But Dominic asks, uh, do you think TCG player kickback sales and your release weekends are charge- changing when to buy and sell cards? Uh, I think that that's like a pretty reasonable question to ask, and I think that that is definitely the case. Um, personally, I have been purchasing more cards on release weekend because of it than any other time because it's almost unanimously the, pr- the time where people are listing the most cards. Like They get their booster boxes on Friday, they bust them and then they try to sell the cards on Saturday and Sunday. And you usually have a time period where you can get cards for much cheaper than they will be in the next month or so because everyone's got the same cards and they're all competing with each other. Exactly. Plus the fact that you get like, you know, the extra bonus of extra store credit means that during the next set release, you can use it then and then you save even more money on your cards in the future. Yeah. Does anyone else have any, any differing opinions or the same opinion? That's nope. exactly right. You is correct. Uh, for the most part, that's right. Uh, as a seller, it kind of changes how I do things. Um, obviously, less relevant to me now since I'm a store. I'm no longer busting. Um, I'm no longer busting cases in case of product to sell right away. Um, so I actually um, pull a lot of things I don't want to be selling because people will just constantly be undercutting each other. I notice that whenever the kickback is big, a lot of sellers will. Uh, undercut each other and try and make sure their cards sell. I think that's incorrect approach. I um, personally, I prefer to again. I do list a lot of cards that I don't want to be selling at a discounted rate uh, during kickback. I'd rather wait until 
you know, two weeks afterwards or something and let the, I let the cheapest cards go away and then just sell my cards for 10% more, uh, which is more or less what, what it works out to. If, um, if people think that they're getting 5% back, people are probably willing to take a hit and get a, a discount cards right now, especially if they can get them, um, for sale. Um, this was most, this is generally like more prevalent during, um, November for Black Friday, TSG always hypes up a big sale, uh, a big kickback, and you have a lot of sellers that are just trying to dump everything. Um, so it, it does change how I sell cards a little bit. Um, I, uh, I understand why they do it, but it seems a little odd to me because the people who are wanting to buy cards day one uh, to get the cards uh, for core 2020 right away as soon as possible, I think they would be buying them anyways. I think it's actually doing a bit of a disservice to the stores to be trying to undercut each other because if they have those cards in stock uh, from busting cases, they're going to be selling anyways. Um, that's that's my a really take. good point. Yep. Yeah, that's that's my take. That's my take as a seller. Um, I obviously the cards I generally want to be buying are not cards um, on day one because I'll just go to a Grand Prix and get them. So I can generally wait for the cards I want to be to just I just buy them whenever there's a kickback, especially if there's one like kind of at dead time when TCG wants to generate sales or something for its sellers. Um, they usually happen like usually halfway between, I imagine we'll see one like at the beginning of August or something um, because summer is generally a uh, slow sales. Um, so that, that's just how uh, the kickback affects my habits as both a buyer and seller. That's a yeah. good, that's a good idea. So yeah, if you are looking to sell cards, uh, Waiting a week probably make you at least 10% more than what you would have gotten if you try to sell them release weekend. It might take a little bit more time, but that's definitely a thing to consider. Um, not listing all your cards. The, the cheap stuff weekend. evaporates fast, and then you're not competing with it. Especially exactly. if you're trying to uh, call attention to your product by having the cheapest price. Because if you don't have like 50,000 plus sales, like you're going to have to attract people by being the cheapest and letting people take a chance on that. So if you're the cheapest, let the cheap stuff get bought first. Because right. when I listen on TCG Player, I'm still small enough time that I'm, you know, I'm not doing ten thousand sales a week, so I, I gotta attract people by being cheap. We're just selling on Twitter. Yeah, those are basically the same thing. Uh, so thank you, Dominic, for your question. Uh, you can send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail .com, and I will get you your twenty five dollar gift certificate to CoolStuffing.com. If anyone listening would like to win next week, you need to leave a question on the coolstuffing.com page that will go up usually the day after the cast. So uh, make sure you get your question up there. Uh, I, you can also leave a, a comment in the comment section on my article on Thursday. Um, you won't win anything, but nobody's really giving me any comments. That's fair. That's that's that, You could do that too. Um, just tell him how much you liked him on the podcast and you wish he was doing that instead of writing articles i would podcast every day if i could yeah i know you would you love to talk you like you like the sound of your voice i don't actually i have anxiety about it but i just drink and get through it okay that's that's a healthy habit all right so it's everyone's favorite time pick of the week and ed you're always prepared to go first right uh, I am, yes, actually. Um, that's actually the first thing I do when we start the podcast. Uh, Modern Horizons, just literally buy anything. I would just say buy the entire set, but people want something more specific probably. Uh, I like Mox Tantalite. Haven't you been doing this for three years? What's up? Haven't you been doing this podcast for three years? Yes. 
Okay. I was just like, uh, I don't really know how this pick of the week works. Do I do a card or a whole set? I don't, I don't know yet. I, I mean, <laughs> I have a specific card in mind, but Modern Horizons is just such a good buy right now. Um, personally, I'm holding all Modern Horizons cards. I think a lot of them have bottomed out and I'm not willing to sell them until they just rebound quite a bit in price, which rebound they will, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Mox Tantalite, again, I think is a type of card. It's gone very cheap. You can buy it for like $6 now. Um, this is the type of card that on the surface, it looks pretty bad. Um, it's no secret that's bad. Most people said Mox Amber was pretty bad when it came out. Um, yes, I realized War of the Spark and 36 Planeswalkers did a lot to help that. But this is the type of card where uh, you won't be buying in because supply is constrained. It has a very, very high ceiling and we're basically at the floor on the price right now. Um, I'm sure this is the type of card that it has a unique effect. At some point, somewhere in the future, someone will break this. And this is the type of card that it's it'll be a mythic. It'll be played as a four of. And when it gets broken, this card is the type of card that you want to be holding a lot of. Um, granted, I don't know when that's going to be. I do think this uh, you may be holding on to that for a while. And I do think it's a somewhat risky investment. But... Um, it, like if th if this was the type of thing where I just want to throw a hundred dollars and own like what, uh, twenty four copies, twenty five copies, um, that's something I'm okay doing. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, Jason, what's your pick of the week? So if you go to edhrec.com and click on commanders at the uh, the top there, and you click top commanders, it'll bring up lists. Um, the top commander for the past week, the past month, and the past two years. Now, um, last week, the commanders were a little bit different. Um, Eureka Tiger Shadow was actually the number one built commander last week on the basis of Modern Horizons giving us a bunch of new ninjas. Uh, Lord Wingrace and Edgar Markov were both in the, the top five just on the basis of uh, new vampires in Corset 2020 and Lord Wingrace. I don't really know what it got. Um, I mean, it got Lands Matter stuff in Modern Horizons, too. Rick yeah, Green it, oh, it, got, it got Renin 6, Evolution, Sage... Tectonic Reformation, Lotus Field, and Prismatic Vista. It got Those the are... no the 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 corset guy that the core the corset elf that like crop rotations, and then there was like several other uncommons in Modern Horizons that are like discard like there's the the discard a band bear seismic assault that makes bears or discard yeah. a land so seismic assault. There's like the, the uncommon yeah. There's the uncommon creature that when it dies it deals damage equal to the number of lands in your graveyard. Like there's a lot of stuff. That hasn't really popped up in enough lists for it to get scraped by Rec, but I'm I'm pretty sure with all those new cards, Lord Wingrace is going to be in the top 10 for like the next couple weeks. But um, if you look at number one this week, it was Eureka last week. Eureka slipped all the way to eighth place. And Kaikar Wins Fury um, from Corset 2020 is number one. And Yarok the Desecrated is number four. And uh, Golos is ninth. So, like, uh, of course, that 2020 is it, it's it's in the database now. It's enough that it's pushing really good decks with really good new cards out of the uh, the top five. And if you look at Kaikar, there's a, a lot of good stuff in there. And as much as the deck seems a little bit solved, it's sort of like, oh, right, you're you're a past in flames deck. Um, I think there is a beatdown plan also. And I think a card like Shared Animosity is a little bit too cheap on TCG player. It was in the. Um, the Ixalan board game. And I think a lot of copies came out and it, it got down to like five bucks on TCG player. Um, but it's already 10 on card kingdom. I think shared animosity is at an eight to $9 card waiting to happen, especially because, you know, when you're making a ton of one ones, um, 
if you attack with like five tokens, you can like dome somebody for lethal. So shared animosity. I think the fact that there's a huge discrepancy between a uh, uh, card kingdom and TCG player, which does isn't always the case, um, but is right now on this card. I, I think usually cards have a tendency to approach the card kingdom price rather than card kingdom getting cheaper. So I think um, I think this is only going to get more expensive, and it's probably the cheapest it's going to be, but it's also very good in the most popular deck of the week. I agree. My call. pick is very boring. It is uh, Graph Digger's Cage, which has gotten very cheap, and it will go up. Uh, they did just ban part of a graveyard deck, but they also banned the part of the graveyard deck that like Graph Digger's Cage doesn't do anything against. Like people will continue to try to vengevine people. You'll you'll still have people trying to arc like Phoenix. You like it's Graph Digger's Cage is just a card that still stops things that are happening in modern, and it is getting very cheap with the reprint and core set. And so then it, it will pull a Crucible of Worlds or a Scape Shift or a uh, a similar core set reprint where you just look back in six months and you're like, oh that that used to be two, now it's five. So and what are you getting out because the feels like the reprint risk on that is somewhat significant if you know they've demonstrated a willingness to just print it in well like we don't have products announced right now right like there's no there is nothing on the horizon that is like oh that could be in there like it's not going to be in the commander decks they don't put cards like that in those it's not going to uh, so you, you think the earliest it could be reprinted is course in 2021 then yes if and i don't think that they would, they would do that back to back i think they would put like they'd cycle through it and put like rest in peace in standard or, or like some other graveyard hate effect. They're not just, I don't think it's like a perennial effect, like a, like a doom blade or something that they just want to sure. throw in every core set. It is a very generic card that they could, but they also can't put it in a, like a fall set, right? Cause it's a graph diggers cage. It's in a strad. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. They, and they won't necessarily reprint it exactly with a like, new name. Like Graph Digger's Cage is specifically Innistrad because it's like the German little flyer. Yeah. So. Yep. All yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, especially if like there's a historic format that takes off, like in MTG Arena and then maybe in paper. Like this will obviously be a premier card, graveyard hate card in that style of format. Uh, so my pick of the week is is also some Modern Horizons stuff. Um, my, I'm, I'm going to pick a cycle because, like, why just pick one? Uh, all of the lands, all of the sack to draw card lands, I don't know, are we calling them canopy lands? I don't really know what the consensus is on that. Uh, everything that looks like a horizon canopy smells like a horizon canopy, but isn't a horizon canopy. Uh, those lands are incredibly cheap for what should be modern mainstays, like, Horizon Canopy has been printed multiple times and is still quite expensive. These are sub $20 still, uh, with the least expensive ones, I think, are the blue-green and the white-black black, ones. Black yeah, are like like $12 to $13. Uh, I really can't see a reason how you could go wrong with, with just getting these. Like, It's possible that they eventually get a reprint, maybe in another Modern Horizon set, but like, I think that those... like. With the, with the fact that they're not doing modern master sets anymore, I think the reprint likelihood on a lot of these lands is quite low, and we're going to be looking at them like fetch lands in you know three or four years where they're like fifty sixty dollars because they're just so important to the decks that play them, and they just don't exist. So much like what Ed said, uh, modern horizon stuff is kind of out of people's minds, and I really don't know that there's like a lot of time you have to pick this kind of card up. 
So I yeah. uh, thank you for all for joining us. Uh, we're going to have our little uh, social media plug, although Jason kind of did it, did it like four times already. Uh, Jason, where can people find you, your content, and your content's content? I'm uh, Jason Eald on Twitter. If you go there, you will see a pin post at the very top that says all the places I write, including Cool Stuff Inc., where I write a Thursday article, uh, MTG Price, where I write a Tuesday paywall article that becomes free to read Thursday. I'm on the Brainstorm Brewery podcast, uh, and I am the content manager on edhrec.com. So if you go to edhrec and notice there's articles all of a sudden, uh, that's because I did that. All right. And Doug, where can people find where you guest? Uh, I guest weekly on Brainstorm Brewery. Uh, I am a uh, avid Twitter user at Rose of Thorns. The second O is a zero. Uh, you can find me uh, at most North American GPs behind the 95 MTG booth where I will be buying cards. Uh, you can find me at uh, Jeremy's... Uh, legacy or modern i don't even know what format it is but it's a 10k event this uh at the end of this month uh you can find me in st louis uh july 27th i think it is i will be working the booth there and buying and selling cards uh and you can find me on tcg player at card guardian all right and ed where can people find you as always uh i'm ed you guys can find me on twitter at edwin 13 uh, after a week off of no travel, I will be in Detroit this weekend, Denver the next weekend, and Barcelona to round out the month. Fantastic. And my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find me on this lovely podcast uh, usually every week. depends on uh, travel and whatnot. But uh, thank you all for joining us, and uh, we hope you have a fantastic day or evening or night or whatever you wherever you are whatever you're doing